you for listening, but please be advised that I'm not specifically educated in the topics I talk about. Be skeptical and look into things for yourself. If you find that I was wrong about something, the best thing you can do for me is to let me know. You can do that at livingthroughextinction at gmail.com. Please also be aware of the fact that I do swear, and I don't bleep anything out. I'm still just getting by when it comes to editing, so listener discretion is advised. And this is episode 83 of Living Through Extinction, a short to the point podcast with science and skepticism, environment and wildlife, and stuff I find cool that I want to learn more about. Today I talk a bit about all the people around the world who believe in witchcraft, including in my own nation, how electric circuits can be printed on mushrooms, creating disassemblable and recyclable circuit boards, how emotions and attitudes affect our physical bodies, and the Cranky Uncle app. If you're interested in supporting the show, all the possible ways are listed after the final segment and thank yous. If you've joined me before, then thank you so very much for returning. If this is your first time listening to Living Through Extinction, welcome! I hope you find it both fun and informative. Over a billion people on our planet believe in witchcraft, especially in places with weak institutions. <clears throat> the U.S. I wasn't even surprised when people in the U.S. started calling witch early last year. They've been headed back in time for the last seven years now. It was bound to reach that point eventually. At least people aren't being killed or arrested over these accusations. Yet. Even before last year, we saw members of the GOP throwing that word around. In April of 2021, Ron Weiser, head of Michigan GOP, called three female Democrat leaders witches. Michigan Democrats rightly condemned the comments as sexist and dangerous. And, also in 2021, California's then-candidate for the GOP's Secretary of State, Rachel Hamm, Jesus, the shit that woman said, she made claims that Satanists and witches were making sacrifices in front of her house. She pushes the whole Satanic panic thing. Today! That shit was supposed to be over decades ago. Oh, and she claimed that God killed her witch neighbor for her. She said that she dreamed of her own murder, so prayed to God to prevent it, and so he killed the witch neighbor in her place. Okay. When polls were done in 2005, it was found that 21% of Americans believed in witchcraft. Also, unfortunately, 13% of people in the UK and Canada. You know what makes it easy to blame witchcraft for misfortune? Poor medical care and poor education, both of which are issues in the United States. In Zambia, witchcraft is blamed for the spread of HIV-AIDS. Often, they end up accusing leaders in the scientific community who are actually there trying to help them. Sometimes these accused end up murdered by witch hunters. In one town, a witch hunter killed 16 accused witches in a four-month period. Obviously, they were all innocent of these accusations. This is what being all right with believing untrue things can eventually lead to, and does eventually lead to. Dozens were killed in Papua New Guinea in January of 2009. One of these innocents was a young girl accused of being a witch and infecting men with HIV-AIDS. They burned her alive for the supposed crime. In 2008, rumors of a soccer player using witchcraft triggered a fucking riot and stampede in Congo that ended up killing 13 people. 
In Tanzania, albinos are seen as magical and killed for their skin and body parts for spells. Since 2007, more than 50 have been killed for ritual use by witch doctors. They believe the arms, legs, skin, and hair all have special magical powers that can be used to bring luck in love, life, and business. Again, this is what happens when entire nations believe untrue things. The president of the Gambia believes he is being targeted by witches, and as a result, at least 1,000 Gambians have now been accused, arrested, and tortured on his orders. At least two are dead as a result of his personal witch hunt. Another point about this asshole is that he claims to be able to cure AIDS and fires any doctors who dare to disagree with him. In 2005, a poor little eight-year-old girl in London was accused of witchcraft by her own family. They rubbed chili peppers into her eyes and tried beating the devil out of her. Now, imagine one of these witch-believing Republicans getting into power and how fast this shit could come to pass. This is why I fight back against people believing untrue things. This is why I promote scientific skepticism. Don't think it can't happen here. So much has happened in the U.S. already that anybody would have said the same thing about seven years ago. There's no way that can happen there. And then it happens. But it won't go this far. And then it goes that far. Stop thinking it can't and wake up and see that it's already fucking happening. Just last year, in May of 2022, Justice Alito cited Sir Matthew Hale, a famous witch killer, in his ruling against abortion. A witch trial judge who also made it law that women could not be raped by their husbands, a law that stood for centuries in the U.S. courts. He also referred to women as unprofitable people and spoke against young women being permitted to speak their minds. A 2022 Supreme Court judge literally cited one of the most evil, misogynistic murderers of innocent women in U.S. history. What the fuck? How are y'all not terrified after that? Nothing good comes from those who believe in these things, and the U.S. now has an entire party made up of these idiots. In all of human history, there has never once been a case of witchcraft proven to be true, yet thousands have been victims of a lie, either having their lives ruined or being killed outright. In all of history, it has never once been the witch that the people had to fear. It is always, it has always been, been. It will always be those who cry witchcraft who are the real monsters. How sad is it that our people keep forgetting? On episode 24, I talked a bit about tech waste, or e-waste as it's called. It's a big problem. When it comes to circuit boards, the main issue is the difficulty in taking them apart after use for recycling purposes. It just can't be efficiently done. Researchers looking at fungi for mycelium materials to replace styrofoam noticed that the thin, rough skin of the Ganoderma lucidum mushroom had all the qualities required for a circuit base. They immediately realized the huge potential. So, like a lot of science, one thing was discovered while looking for another. The functionality of this mushroom skin really is kind of amazing. It can be dried into thin, flexible sheets with structural integrity. Once dried, it is capable of withstanding temperatures of over 200 degrees Celsius. That's 390 Fahrenheit. This ability to withstand heat is a major factor required for any material that's going to have electronic circuits operating on it. And if kept out of ultraviolet light, it can last for hundreds of years. The mushrooms don't need 
any special treatment either. They can literally just be dried and then printed upon. And the best part, the mushroom base is biodegradable and the printed circuits can be somewhat easily removed from the base for recycling when the life's function is complete. If we could get to the point where all circuit boards were this eco-friendly, it would make a huge difference, especially to landfills. The dried product which they print on is called Myceliotronics, and it's proving to be, quote, an efficient alternative to conventional polluting PCBs, unquote. PCBs standing for printed circuit boards. This is the beginning, so next researchers need to test it out in real life. They'll be created for devices we use every day and tested long term. So it's still a ways from being in any device in our own homes at this time. The proof of concept paper has been published in Science Advances. Today I'm going to be talking about how emotions and attitudes physically affect our bodies. Thank you to Tony Stark for the suggestion. Emotions are not just in the brain. They are experienced via the impulses they set off throughout the entire body. They also release different hormones into our systems. These impulses and hormones can do a lot to us physically. According to newsmedical.net, emotions influence biological processes like inflammation and metabolic profiles. Research has shown that emotions actually activate the skeletal muscular system, the cardiovascular system, the neuroendocrine system, and the autonomic nervous system. There are unintentional outward signs of our emotions, such as posture and facial expression, but there is also a lot going on inside and a lot of physical effects that can be experienced as a result. Blushing when shy or embarrassed is a good example of a physical effect of feeling an emotion. When it happens to someone on the pale side, it's very easy to see it occurring. Blushing is triggered by the sympathetic nervous system, which gets the blood pumping. This causes a visible increased capillary blood flow in the skin, which, when visible to the naked eye, we call blushing. Another good example is goosebumps. These can be caused by strong emotional feelings, such as extreme fear, extreme sadness, or even extreme joy or arousal. Also caused by the sympathetic nervous system, goosebumps occur when tiny muscles are flexing in the skin, which cause the hair to stand straight up. Each bump is at the base of a hair coming out of the skin. Other physical symptoms that may sound familiar are a feeling of a lump in the throat, upset stomach, or trembling fingers with anxiety, or a hot flushed face or shaking when very angry. You've probably felt light on your feet and fluttery in the tummy when feeling joy at some point, or dizziness, weakness, or increased heart rate when afraid. We experience a variety of emotions. Positive ones can have a positive effect on us physically, while negative ones can have a negative physical effect. Neuroticism is what it's called when one has a tendency to experience negative emotions and display aggressive, hostile, or angry behavioral patterns. Right away makes me think of Alex Jones. People with neuroticism are well known to be at a higher risk for all sorts of negative health issues, such as cardiovascular disease, asthma, and hypertension. Prolonged depression, stress, or anxiety are known to be linked to major changes in cellular immunity, which could include things like fewer white cells in the blood to help fight disease. People who suffer from prolonged depression will actually feel aches and pains in their backs, joints, and limbs. So why does this happen? Well, the neurotransmitters serotonin and norepinephrine influence the pain we feel and the mood we are in. Dysregulation of these chemicals can lead to both depression and or physical aches throughout. With both being affected by the same chemicals, it's common for both to be an issue at the same time. That is why those in prolonged depressive states will feel physical pain, and it is real pain. It is not imagined. 
And it is likely to be treated along with depression or anxiety when depression or anxiety are treated with medication. One wants to regulate the same two neurotransmitters for both the physical pain and the mental health condition. Prolonged depression or anxiety issues can also cause digestive problems, sleep problems, and appetite changes, all of which could have differing negative effects on an individual. Prolonged hopelessness or helplessness leads to chronic stress. Chronic stress will upset a person's hormone balance, depleting the brain of its happiness chemicals and damaging the immune system. It can also decrease a person's lifespan. Poorly managed negative emotions become unhealthy. Dwelling on fear, jealousy, or hate can become an unhealthy emotion. And unhealthy emotions lead to something called immune dysregulation. Immune dysregulation can end up being an underlying factor in aging, heart disease, osteoporosis, type 2 diabetes, arthritis, frailty, and even some cancers. It's the inflammatory chemicals released as a result of the unhealthy emotions that contribute to all of these. All sorts of physical effects can also come from both love and heartbreak. From what I understand, the brain registers heartbreak pain in the same way as it does physical pain, so a heartbroken person does feel physical effects of this. It's similar to coming off of an addiction, when in love, the hormones dopamine and oxytocin are active and elevated. Dopamine makes a person want more of something, and oxytocin is known as the cuddle hormone, and it's also released when we spend time with our pets. A sudden heartbreak can cause these two hormone levels to suddenly drop, and that gets replaced with the stress hormone cortisol. Cortisol normally supports our fight or flight instincts, and too much of it over time leads to anxiety, nausea, acne, weight gain, and more. Because of all this, there's actually a medical term for stress brought on by heartbreak pain, takotsubo cardiomyopathy. Other terms I found are broken heart syndrome, stress cardiomyopathy, and apocobalooning syndrome. There's actually an effect on the heart that can be brought on by acute emotional stress where the left ventricle will become stunned or paralyzed momentarily. While it does cause heart attack-like symptoms and can be very frightening, it does not do the permanent damage that an actual heart attack does. One may feel a brief interruption of pumping, have arm or shoulder pain, or experience shortness of breath, dizziness, loss of consciousness, or nausea and vomiting. So not permanent, but still not fun to go through and very likely to make one believe they're absolutely having a heart attack when they're not. I've been mainly talking about being in love and dumped, basically, but there's also another kind of heartbreak experienced when we lose someone to death. It is common with bereavement heartbreak for someone to lose sleep yet feel wired or to feel nauseous or highly anxious. Loss can also lead to high blood pressure or even ulcers. Of course, heartbreak also leads to other physical stress effects, digestive and skin problems, for example. Advice for dealing with heartbreak is the same as for dealing with general stress. Things like getting out with people you enjoy, creating and sticking to a schedule, or even speaking with a mental health care provider. Love, as mentioned earlier, gets the dopamine and oxytocin active in one's brain. Feelings of love will quicken your heartbeat, cause sweaty palms and flutters in the tummy, even cause one's pupils to dilate. Being in love can actually improve one's physical, emotional, and mental health. It promotes emotional well-being by increasing one's self-esteem and self-worth while decreasing one's anxiety. So love is very good for us. I saw prolonged hatred or anger described as being detrimental to the body. Apparently, chemistry changes in the brain under these conditions can trigger aggression and the release of stress hormones. The inflammation that comes with that, as described earlier, can negatively impact one's nervous system, immune system, and endocrine system. So 
Like other negative emotions, prolonged hatred or anger can also lead to things like weight gain, insomnia, anxiety, depression, or chronic illness. But it can also lead to things like obsessive thinking and paranoia. Someone experiencing prolonged anger or hate can deal with it if they choose to. Some of the ways to do so are to not ignore it, not try to justify it, and not try to blame others for it. The feelings have to be acknowledged. One should try to understand the cause and not compare themselves to other people as they do so. Practice avoiding reacting outwardly while feelings are very intense. Take breaks from frustrating situations and do something pleasant during those breaks rather than stew on shit. For some, playing with a pet will help here. For some, meditating. In the end, a person needs to figure out what's right for them. What actively takes their mind off of anger and hate and gives them joy? And finally, facing the feeling and talking with someone about it. That someone could be a close friend or it might have to be a professional in mental health care. What every study has shown so far is that hate, anger, violence, and other negative emotions and attitudes lead to poorer aging and health overall, mainly due to the physical changes brought on from different stress hormones and inflammation. And the whole peace, love, and happiness thing leads to better aging, longer lifespans, and more mainly due to the positive chemical and hormone changes they bring on. You may have seen a meme at some point about how Will Wheaton is actually older than Alex Jones, and people are totally blown away because by appearance there's no way. But it's true. And now maybe we all have a little bit of a better understanding as to why. This one is a positive to me, but I'm not sure if anyone else is going to care. <laughs> Unless I have a listener who is actively pursuing scientific skepticism and how to identify fallacious arguments. While I tend to be able to identify if an argument is fallacious, I often fail at identifying the fallacy that's being committed. It's something I know I need to work on. It's something I want to work on. So I was pretty happy to discover the Cranky Uncle app. There'll be a link in the show notes, which appear in your player with each episode now. It's available for both Apple and Android devices. The Cranky Uncle app was created as a tool against misinformation. After all, the more we are able to spot fallacious arguments, the more defended we will be from the increasing propaganda in the world around us. It consists of questions and cartoons with questions. After getting through quizzes around five denial techniques, a whole bunch more opened up. The first five are spotting fake experts, logical fallacies, spotting impossible expectations, cherry picking, and spotting conspiracy theories. After this initial section is completed, the rest unlock, and there are so many more that I can't wait to dive into. There are seven logical fallacy quizzes covering how to spot ad hominem attacks, false analogies, ambiguity, straw man statements, red herring statements, false choice fallacies, and single cause fallacies. There are two cherry picking quizzes covering how to spot anecdotal fallacies and slothful induction fallacies. There are seven conspiracy theory quizzes covering how to spot contradictory claims, overriding suspicion, evil intent, something must be wrong, persecuted victim, immunity to evidence, and reinterpreting randomness fallacies. I don't know if more will open when I get through all of these, but right now I'm at 711 points, a level 13, and my cranky uncle is now an irate uncle. Before irate, I remember him being vexed, ill-tempered, and resentful, but there were lots of others as well. Can't wait to see what his state is when I actually finish. That's it for me for April, unless you subscribe to my YouTube, where I've been putting out very short weekly videos. Thank you for listening. May your health and sanity continue to be replenished daily. My thanks goes out to the following people. Jason Martin for helping me get started on this project more than three years ago. I wouldn't be doing this right now if not for him. 
Kathy Rayner for her musical contribution on the violin, Paul Palmer for his musical contribution on the guitar. He can be found at WPG Suitcase Drummer on Instagram. Dustin Harder for composing and recording the intro and outro for the show. You can find him on Instagram at Prairie Soul Music. And finally, thank you to my family, without whose support I could never do this show. I hope you will choose to join me again in two weeks for episode 84 of Living Through Extinction. If you enjoy Living Through Extinction and would like to support the show, the best ways to do so are to subscribe and rate and to comment and like positive comments on your favorite podcast player. Or you can help out by following, liking, and sharing on all the social medias. The show can be found under Living Through Extinction on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and TikTok, and under LTE Pod on Twitter and Hive. There is also a Patreon at patreon.com slash livingthroughextinction. There you can earn stickers, pins, masks, and more, as well as help me to plant some trees. If you have any comments, corrections, questions, or suggestions, please email them to livingthroughextinction at gmail.com or message me through one of the social medias. 